This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Happy Friday, GYC. Have you been enjoying the seminars? I, as I stood at the back and listened to that beautiful piece, I thought to myself, wow, I could stay back there and listen to it forever. However, I have a time to give you a testimony, my testimony. But before I do that, I know that Brother Alvin has already prayed, and some of our young people at the back have already prayed with me and for me, but it is my personal duty and ethics that before I open the Word, I'm also dependent on God. So I invite you to bow your head wherever you are as we seek the Lord in prayer once more. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this wonderful event. We thank you for bringing us here, dear Lord. And you have called us not because we are the greatest, perhaps because we are the least of your household. And Lord, as I share the things that you have done for me, the experiences, the things that I have seen and I have heard, I pray, Lord, that you will empty me of self and you will fill me. This is my earnest plea, such you alone can be heard, that you alone can be seen. And I will disappear such Christ can appear, not only now, but forevermore, is my earnest plea in Jesus' wonderful name. You are GYC, so before I start my testimony, I'd like you to take your sword out, and we're going to sharpen it just a little bit more just this afternoon. Go to the book of John with me, book of John, chapter 4, and when you get there, please don't be shy to say amen. I'm sure you're used to that by now. Here we find Jesus traveling northward into Galilee. But we all, the, 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 the Bible also tells us that he needs to pass through Samaria. And at about noontime, the Bible says Jesus made a calculated stop at Jacob's well. So we take it from verse 6. John chapter 4, verse 6. Amen? Okay, I hear amen. You gave me permission. I read. In your hearing from the King James Version, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Verse 9, Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 
10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 11, The woman said unto him, Sir, that has nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then thou hast the living water? Verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drink of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The next verse, and that's 15. The woman said unto, her, unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come Hither to draw. My name is Jan Harry Kabunko. I am a neuroscientist. That's how I pay my bills. But my life's passion is soul winning. And I have news for you, young people. You might be students, you might work in a medical field, in a bank. The, those are just your means to pay your bills. Soul winning is your occupation. We find here a story of a woman, and this woman's story is very much like my story. I was born in the Philippines, in the 1970s, raised by my grandparents and also by my aunts and my uncles. So I was not lacking of love. At the age of 12 and 13, 12 to 13, I joined my parents who are living in the United Kingdom. And while in the United Kingdom, at the time I was short, I was skinny, very skinny and very short, and I didn't speak English. And so when I was enrolled at school, they took one good look at me, and I thought, okay, we'll put him in the lowest class. And as I, w I entered the class, I thought, what a friendly bunch of good people here. You know, the peop my classmates were very friendly, and they actually were nice to me, and the teachers actually sat with each student during class and walked us through the exercise. A month and a half, give and take, or maybe almost two, there was an exam. I didn't know what the, what the strategy was, but an exam was given to the whole class. I took it, and lo and behold, I got 95 to 98% passed it with flying colors. And so the teachers looked among themselves and said, well, this guy is not so stupid after all. And they put me in the middle class, higher middle class. And at this class, the people that are, my classmates were not as so nice. 
you know, when we were copying notes, I remember I would look at their, pay, at, at their notebook and they would pull it away. I said, I like the other class better. A month after being in that class, there was another exam. And I thought, no, 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 you're not going to get me this time. Because I know this strategy. It means if I pass the exam, they would bring me to a higher class. But if I fail it, it's a win-win situation. I'm beginning to like the class I'm at. And at the same time, if they bring me back to my old class, I would gladly do it. And so, when the paper was given, I flanked it gladly. And I stayed in the class. Now, you have to understand that I was raised in a Christian home. But when I joined my parents in the United Kingdom, all of a sudden, our home was not as I imagined it to be or should be. Wanted it to be. And so there was something lacking within me, and I began seeking something that would satisfy the longing of my heart. And my environment is school. So I look at school, who are the happy people at school? And I saw the happy people at school are those that are inclined to be more sports gifted. And so I looked around, I shot around, I saw rugby, no way. Because if you get hold of the ball, everyone's just out to get you. And I'm not going to die because of the ball. Cricket, I hated catching a ball without gloves. It's just painful. And so I thought, ah, basketball. Uh, something I could live with. And so I joined the basketball team. Problem is, or was at the time, is that I was short. And so they gladly took me in, but put me on the B team, which I call literally bench team. Because that's what, where I spent four to five weeks of my life, in the basketball team. Throwing towels, and the closest I got to the ball is at the end of the game, collecting them and locking them away. <laughs> so, you, you're getting the picture. One day, finally, I thought, okay, I'm tired of this. And I just whispered a silly prayer, somebody break a leg. And somebody did break a leg. <laughs> so I get to play. And say, that little guy... Bring him in. And so, now, I need to earn the trust of, of my teammates. But at the same time, I'm just running back and forth like I'm alone. Nobody really passed the ball to me until the opportunity was given. And finally, I get to shoot, and it went in. Behind the three-point line. Now, they discovered something... That you see in the Philippines, we start playing basketball at the age of five. And so I may not be able to jump, I might be short, but at least I can shoot seven out of ten from a distance. The euphoria lasted maybe two to three, three months, and after that, there was still something missing. I discovered that maybe I need to go somewhere, find something else. I said, who are the happy people at, at school? And I found the people would dress nicely with their jackets and the black label with a printed thing on it that says chess team. So I joined the chess team. And I thought, they thought, okay, this guy doesn't speak good English, so let's put him again in the B team. 
until finally somebody got sick. I got to play, cut the long story short. And what people didn't know is that in the Philippines, when we're not playing basketball, <laughs> we're playing chess. And so I began playing chess when I was five. And uh, just to get a picture, my, our teachers, who's my uncle, plays all the kids at the same time. There was like eight chessboard. And he would play from one all at the same time. Anyway, that's just... Later on, I was a little bit older. Who are the happy people at school? Those that have money. Those that have Nike Air Jordan. And so, how does a 15, 16-year-old get money? So we decided, get a job. So we got a job, finally, and no one would accept us apart from a fast food chain. I wouldn't say, wouldn't name it, anyway. So, finally, got, the, got, got paid and went out and bought the things that we needed like a millionaire. It still didn't satisfy the longing of my heart. But while I was working at this fast food chain, there were people who were calling me names and telling me, why didn't you go back where you come from? You're a little bit stupid, aren't you? You know, this kind of rhetoric language. And tired of hearing that, I thought to myself, okay, one day I'm going to prove you wrong. And that was my drive to go to university, to prove the people wrong. Went to university in England, got accepted at a biomedical program, cut the long story short, successfully got my degree, and finally got invited to do a doctoral program in Switzerland. So went to Switzerland, and it was there at Switzerland where God has been beginning to work in my heart. I have not been to church for a long time. Never even prayed for a long time. And it was one, it was the spring of 2003, when I began to attend a youth meeting. And there was a one American preacher who came to that meeting, delivered the youth prayer week. And during this time, I was hearing the message, I, 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 it was just tailor-cut just for me. How I saw myself in that message. And at the end of the, uh, of the week, when Pastor Louis Torres made that appeal, something just was happening within me, I couldn't explain. I was holding on to my chair, I wanted to respond with my chair on my, on my backside. And finally, the Lord got hold of me. And that summer of 2003, Pastor Louis Torres came back to Switzerland to do an evangelistic series. And I was baptized. Forty-one days after my baptism, I, I preached my first revival meeting. I tell you, during this time, my, my knees were shaking, rattling. So, so loud that I was worried that all the people could hear were my knees. I say, Lord, I prayed, you, I didn't ask for this. I'm a scientist. What do I know about preaching? My oratory skills is very bad. But feel me. And the Lord heard my prayer. 
I asked the Lord, if this is what you really want me to do, then show me. At the end of the revival series, ten people recommitted their lives to the Lord. I thought, is God calling me? I began to ponder on this. Now I'm in trouble. What am I going to do? As I was praying and asking God to lead, Lord, send your spirit to guide me. Open doors of opportunity. A door opened. I was asked to be part of the team to preach an evangelistic series, full evangelistic series, in the Dominican Republic. And I have no, 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 uh, no training in preaching or evangelism. The only training in evangelism I had was following Pastor Torres do Bible studies for two days. And all he said to me, young man, watch and pray. And so I sat in the corner just watching him and praying. And soaking up everything that he's doing. And how he's making appeals and how he's leading a person to decision. And so, off I go after waiting for Many months of praying and preparing to the Dominican Republic. Finally, I'm in the Dominican Republic, 2004, summer. Just to get a picture. First night, preaching my first evangelistic meeting. Everything was ready. Preaching on Daniel 2. A kid run, child, maybe five or six years old, runs across. Trips on my cable. My laptop flew without wings. Bounced like a basketball. All I could do is cover my eyes, picked up my, my MacBook, put it back on the table, continued preaching. We have been instructed by Pastor Torres that you don't let anything distract you. You just continue to preach. So I was preaching. I picked it up, put it, and kept talking as if nothing had happened. I, could, I barely put the thing down, move back and preach, and the same child runs back, <laughs> trips on the cable. My computer bounces like a basketball. I said, this cannot be happening. <laughs> Put it back on the table. After that, preach the campaign, made appeal. At the very end, another child, the same thing. Thought, okay, we're going to solve this problem. No children allowed. <laughs> First night, second day, I arrive in church, Sabbath morning. Set up everything. I was ready. Had my notes, had my Bible, ready to preach. And then the elder came to me. And the elder asked him, what are you preaching today, brother? I said, well, I'm preaching on why so much suffering. You know, with a little bit of pride. I was young. Oh, I'm still young. But... <laughs> and, and so, yeah, he, 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 he basically said, you cannot preach that. He says, why not? Because we have no visitors here. We need a message that will boo our soul. How, how do you argue with the elder? But I argued anyway. And so as I was arguing with him back and forth, my translator, uh, Juan Francisco from New York, saw us. And he came. and says, what seems to be the problem, my brother? So I put my arms around him thinking I'm going to find camaraderie in him. And then explaining the situation. And he turned to me and said, yeah, brother, you know the elder is right. And as I was about to argue... 
there was a voice at the back of my head, as loud as I am speaking with you today, that quotes Zechariah 4.6. But the only thing, the difference is that it didn't have Zerubbabel in it. It had my name on it. It says, this is the word of the Lord unto you, Jan. That my work is not going to be done by might nor power, but what? By His Spirit. Says the Lord of hosts. And after that, I backed off. I fell on my knees for three minutes. And asked God, Lord, it's your Spirit. It's going to be done by your Spirit, so fill me. Fill me. I'm going to be obedient to you in this. I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know. And so I went with it, opened my Bible for the shortest time I could remember. It's about maybe one to two minutes. And they began to wave the pulpit entourage. Wave me, come on, time to preach. So I came. My knees were shaking like never before. That I had to stand with one feet at the back and one in the front to stabilize myself and we preach for one and a half hour on a sermon I did not prepare the translator came to me and says brother are you sure you did not prepare that I said, come on I was hoping you would take my side but you didn't <laughs> I wouldn't argue if I had something he says it is only the spirit of God and on that Sabbath afternoon, the whole church was knocking. The whole church began to pray. You see, at the end of the evangelistic meeting, we had 38 souls. But originally, they only had 8 souls. And so the conference president, Pastor Henry Beras, came and says, What happened? I thought you only had 8 souls. Where did the 30 come from? And so... We explained the situation. That it was only through the Spirit of God. And the be, church began to pray. And the church began to knock on doors. Seven couples got married, got baptized. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Who am I? I'm not a seasoned preacher. I don't know it from left or right. But my experience, this was just the beginning. Before I left the Dominican Republic, I was together with the room, with the, in the room with the young people. And I looked at them, and I see in their eyes, what are we going to do when we get home? What are we going to do? They didn't have to say it. I could see it in their eyes. See, all this spiritual adventure we had, will all end when we go back home to Europe. And thus the vision began of forming Europe for Jesus. God gave this vision in the mission field for young people. The young people who love the message, who love God, can understand the specific message of the Seventh-day Adventists and be part of the young people who will deliver the three angels' message to the people who were in our generation. So, that's begun, but who are we? We're ragtag of young people. 
not even trained rightly. We're still rough on the edges. But God was bringing us through, tested here, there, a little here, a little there. Seeing the intent of our hearts. What began as a vision began to materialize. We began to hold revival meetings in Austria, in Germany, in Hungary, in Italy, Switzerland, Norway, different places in Europe. And God began raising up an army of young people who want simply to be filled by the Spirit of God. You are not alone here, brothers and sisters. We have an army of young people in Europe who are just waiting, waiting to be mentored, waiting for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that I'm part of this movement. God has led me to many young people. I share with you one experience, one young person in particular, I wanted to bring him here, but he said, not my calling for this time. This is your time. I was preaching an evangelistic campaign in northern Germany. And this young man was there. I met him there. He is a fourth generation Protestant. And this young man came and I just saw there was something about him. I said, Lord, are you leading me to this young man to, 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 to mentor him and to somehow bring him to the foot of the cross? He's not even an Adventist. But he's starting to attend the church. His name is Martin. In 2009, he was baptized. Two months after his baptism, he, he preached his first evangelistic meeting with us. The following year, did the same. And today, he is the networking coordinator of Europe for Jesus. Not only that, he is the Glow Europe coordinator. If God can do that for myself and Martin, who are not born into this movement, how much more for you, young people? Recently, I was in Turkey. Just a few days ago. And it's forbidden to do evangelism there. But the Lord has given me one of the most memorable experiences. On just one night, I went out to do outreach. Well, we're forbidden, but I went out anyway. I didn't take my translators with me because I didn't want them to get into trouble. The worst thing they can do to me is deport me. Lock me in jail maybe for a night or two and then deport me. But it's okay. And so I went out because I got restless at 11 o'clock in the evening. Didn't... And I normally have that, and when I have that, I know that there's somebody out there waiting. And so I went out, and lo and behold, while out, three, at three different period, three, three different guys came to me. First was Ali, second was Hamid, the last one was Mustafa. And apparently, they all work at the hotels around, around town. But most significant that I want to share with you is the last one. Mustafa, a Muslim. He wanted to take me to an establishment 
eventually I, I deducted it that he wanted to take me where we're not supposed to be. Where there's, there, he, he calls them lovelies, but basically women. And so I, 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 I told him, brother, I'm happily married and I will be committing sin against my wife by even going there. So I wanted to test him. He says, well, you don't have to tell your wife. Well, then I'm committing sin against God. And he looked at me. And then I began to tell him, I asked him, do you, have a bro- do you have a sister? Do you have a daughter? He says, no. Well, imagine this. If your sister is there, would you still take me? Would you? I began to think for himself. And I asked him these questions. I asked him, you know, Hami, uh, Mustafa, it seems to me that you are a good man, but with a streak of wa- bad boy wannabe. I was once like you. Do you want victory over that? And we walked for 45 minutes around the city, and I was giving him Bible studies. At the very end, I told him, there's only one who can give you victory, and that is Jesus. You want to know who he is? He's not just a normal man. He's not just a good man. He's not just a guru. He is the Son of God. And you can have victory if you allow him. So to test this, if he's genuinely interested, we had about 10 to 15 minutes walk back to where I was staying. I says, would you like a copy of something I want to give you? And he says, yes. So he walked back with me. Got a book of Step to Christ. And gave it to him. Muslims, open for the gospel. I have one more story. My time is short, but I, I don't want to leave here without giving you this story. I was on a train in Switzerland. Train ride. That's my mission field. Train, buses, and plane. And so I was on the train. And as I stepped into the train, there was this guy that had a big smile. He was looking at me. I thought to myself, wow, do I have ketchup, toothpaste? I looked, is my sip undone? Fine. No problem there. And so he, I, he, uh, he asked me if he could sit with me. He says, yes, by all means, please sit with Please sit. And the first thing he asked just by sitting is that, what do you do? It's not the question that you ask. But it's a bold question, which requires bold response. And so since he asked that, well, I told him, I'm a neuroscientist who believes in six literal day creation. I let him have it. <laughs> and he says, what do you mean? And I explained to him what exactly I mean. And I brought him to the great controversy. I began to, de- to somehow bring the, the, the battle for the minds. And we are caught in this battle. And I was talking, talking for 20 to 25 minutes. And didn't let him resp- to say, say anything. I was just over-enthusiastic. And finally, I said, by the way, I got just the copy for you. So I took it out. And I was handing it over to him. He asked me, uh, I asked him, what about you? What do you do? Uh, what? This is how it was. And he says, well, I'm a Catholic priest. <laughs> a Catholic priest, he's a professor at the seminary, training Catholic priests. And you can imagine, I was handing him the great controversies, I was pulling it back. <laughs> and he was pulling it towards him. And I said, really, can you tell me what, what that really entails? Finally, 
I say, Lord, put a sock in my mouth. Get the dirtiest one, because I thought I just dishonored him. Three months later, three months later, I get an email. Dear Brother Jan, and it says in that email, when I read it, I almost fell off my chair. Because this is his words. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. The next line says, I believe every single seminarian should have this book. Third line, where can I get more of this book? I tell you, I almost fell off the chair. I went straight to my bookshelf, got all the nine great controversies, put it in a box and said, Brother, I'll take it for you. And said, I don't know where he is today, but he's no longer in the faculty of the university where he was teaching. But my prayer is that the Spirit of God has filled him and I will see him in heaven. Young people, God has a special task for us. But He cannot entrust this task without us being filled. I want to read you a quotation from the Spirit of Prophecy. I'm really out of time. But I don't want us to leave without this. Just let us think this for a while. It's found in the book of Education, page 263. Thousands of young persons will be called to this rescue ministry. The whole world is opening to the gospel. From every direction, sin-stricken hearts cry for the knowledge of God. Millions have never heard of God or of His love. It is their right to receive this knowledge. They have equal rights to the Savior's mercy. We must answer this cry. And at this crisis, the question asked of Queen Esther comes to every home, every school, every student who has enjoyed the light of the gospel. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I wonder if there's anyone in this room who wants to answer this call. But before you can answer this call, before you can receive and be filled by the Spirit of God, you have to bring something that hinders you. Sin, priorities, before Him. What is it that's hindering you from fully receiving that living water that Christ offers? A drop of that will satisfy you. It has satisfied my soul. On my honeymoon, I went on an evangelistic meeting. Forty-three young people. That's the honeymoon. Before the honeymoon, before the wedding, we had an evangelistic meeting. I was also in that part of it. When my daughter was born, 2010, last year, I was in the mission field. I miscalculated the date by one week. I was supposed to be home. But I have a supporting wife who understands that this answer must, this crime must be answered. Amen. Young people, God will use you. But only when you ask Him to be filled. I wonder how many of you, with a raising of your hand, would say, I want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe there is a young person, young man, young woman in this room who have a, something in their lives, priorities, whatever that may be.
and they'd like to give it to God today so they can be fully used by God. Would you stand to your feet and say, Lord, I want to give it to you. I am tired of going to this well and drinking from this false well. I want to drink from the well that you offer. Is there that young person? Amen. Any more young person? I want to pray for you this, this afternoon. Not because there is power in me, but I believe in Him who has transformed my life. And since He's transformed my life, when I gave it all to Him, He can transform your life. Is there an older person? Say, Lord, I give it to you today. I, don't want, to, I want to leave this place knowing I have no baggage. That I symbolically left it at GYC and the angels will come and dust it off themselves. Let's bow our head for prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for what you have done in my life. I thank you for what you are doing in the lives of these young people. Lord, they stand for you today. Because they understand that they, may, they need to answer this cry. But Lord, they also recognize that they cannot be filled while they're holding on to something that is hindering your spirit to fully work in them. And so they symbolically stand, present them to you. And they present their lives to you today. Disappoint them not. They will leave this place not only filled by you, but you will dwell in them. Now and forevermore, we thank you for hearing this prayer in Jesus' wonderful name. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.